This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Russian. Got Abram in this morning. How are you, sir? I'm good, boss. How you doing? Fine. Are your dogs still tearing up your backyard? Every day. Every day, just about. <laughs> what, ki- what kind of dogs? Well, I've got a Great Dane and oh. an English Mastiff Pyrenees oh. mix. <laughs> so they're about as big as they could get. Uh, if to say goodbye to grass. Oh, we did uh, about November, October of last year. And we have not had grass since then. Not going to be able to. This is something uh, we get a lot of call. I've actually written for a dog magazine on how to dog-proof your yard. And when you say Mastiff and English, what well, not English, uh, what was the other with the big? Great Dane. Great Dane. Yes, sir. I mean, their feet are like the size of ping pong paddles. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just not much, there's not any kind of grass that'll take that kind of abuse and recover. You know, right. you know, there's some like Bermuda grass. They put that on kids' soccer fields because it'll grow back, but not with dogs. Yeah, well, especially like our our yard is it's big enough to to handle the dogs being in there. Yeah, but it's not big enough for them to have plenty of new spaces to use the bathroom at. So yeah. it's just I w- I was hoping maybe this spring I could get something going, but it's not. It doesn't look like it. Nope. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll tell I'll tell my wife that the the garden the gardening horticulturalist at, at MPB told me that it's not worth the time. Well, it's not just not <laughs> worth the time. You you know whatever she t- tells you to do, do it. But shredded bark mulch, okay, will help. At least you know that you know they could. It doesn't mash down like dirt and grass. So right. They, once they get them a little path going, you know, just get you some some mulch, the shredded stuff. Right. And it'll hold up for you know a long time. Well, we read online somewhere. I guess we should have asked you first um, about like a. Not pine saw, but like ch- pine chips and yeah, stuff. We've yeah. got that th- through the yard just to kind of like yeah. soak up the water yeah. because it does have a lot of standing water. Yeah. Well, we the, the, the shredded stuff, first of all, are cheaper. Yeah. And a matter of fact, you could probably get, you know, if, if contact some of the local tree, tree surgery companies and find out if they're doing any work in the neighborhood, they will dump their, you know, they have that chipper truck thing. And they have to pay to take it to the tip, you know, to the to the dump. And a lot of times they'll just dump it off, and then you just throw. But the shredded stuff it locks together, you know, so it, it's a, it's more of a matrix than the than the than the pine stuff. So it's more solid. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it it, it it knits together. You know, okay. shredded right. stuff knits together. Uh, the other stuff just sort of squishes out of the way. Okay, I get so, what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So anyway, if you if you can't fix it, flee it or fight it. Flow with it. Flow with it. That's that's probably my favorite thing I've learned from you coming up here since I started is just just flow with it. Well, you know, sometimes that's all you can do. And by the way, I have no no uh, no light, no stuff in here. I can't oh, tell if anybody no, we didn't calls get or anything you set like up that. First. That's okay. Uh, my fault. That's okay. Uh, but we we do not have any callers yet. So well, well, we need to get some. Give us a call, folks. And I'm here to talk with you about what's going on in your garden. Um, I've been doing some garden. Matter of fact, I've got really. I know what. 
threw me off this morning. I'm a little bit agitated. You know, the the something's blowing in the wind. It's not pine yet. It's not oaks, but there's something blowing around that's giving me allergies. But my blood pressure went straight up. I walked to the front yard. Something has been eating my my kale and my my lettuce. I got some lettuce put out there. It's something's eating it. I'm thinking, what could be doing it? It's going to be mice or rats or something. I came out there and it's squirrels. Squirrels yep. are eating my salad. Oh, I'm thinking, man. and there's nothing. The squirrels in a garden is like Great Danes in a lawn. There's not much <laughs> I can do about it. Well, they're it, everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, apparently they've developed a, a taste for sweet lettuces <laughs> and and uh, lacinata kale. Yeah. And uh, and it's 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 frustrating as a gardener. So what I'm gonna do this weekend is I'm gonna make me a little like a little, not a tent but like a dome out of chicken wire and set over my plants. And uh, you know and it'll look kind of funny. But what I'll do is I'll spray paint it the same color as mulch, so it's not doesn't look like silver domes out in the yard. But there's nothing other than what they call um, mechanical or physical exclusion offense. So anyway, that's just that's just. Part of being a gardener, I came up with a where's a really is a a good word, a definition of a word. Uh, what is it? Uh, passion. You know, people say I have a passion for gardening, a passion for this. Well, passion comes from a Latin patois meaning suffering. <laughs> really? <laughs> who, who can make that up? Well, that's, that seems so opposite to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a passion for it. But anyway, it means suffering. For suffering for something that you want to suffer for. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I see that. I see it. So anyway, that's well, a, that, there's a little word. These little words I come up with, I came up with a word for stupid little words. Uh, a bit of fluff. It's called a klimpser. Klimpser. You, you came up with that? No, no, no. Oh, no. I, I was about it. to say. Klimpser. Bit of fluff. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of this thing? Uh, have you ever heard of Falderall? I, I remember you uh, yeah. I, I, I made one of the podcast episodes. It's called Felderall because of yeah. what you're... <laughs> yeah, Falderall means whimsical nonsense, so we call it Felderall. But anyway, give us a call, folks. It's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. I know there's a lot of stuff going on out there uh, because uh, the weather's just too good. But I want to caution everybody that when we do get rain, it's a cold rain. We still have warm, cool air coming from the north, and the the soil... And the rains are still cold. I would rate for summer stuff like zinnias and tomatoes and peppers. I know some of y'all are chomping at the bits, but the the best time to plant those is going to be after the soil warms up and all danger frosts have passed. We're looking at the end of next month, the first of April. Uh, a month from now, we are still likely likely to get a freeze or a frost, even snow in April. Might not happen, but on average, uh, end of March is when the last of it happens. So if you got to get out and plant stuff, hang on, I got something in my pocket here. Hey, this is great. It's a sound bite. Listen to this. If you got to garden, can you hear that okay? Oh, that sounds great. You could you could you could record an album with that right there, Felder. Yeah, I could go along with the song today. <laughs> the cheesy tune. This is a gourmet blend of mescaline. M e s c l u n. This just means a mix, mixed lettuces. I got uh, I got uh, red lettuce, uh, pale green, dark green, curly leaf, flat leaf, all different kind of lettuces, and I mixed them together. 
And by it, and what I do is I put just a little sprinkle, just a tiny little sprinkle uh, over a pot full of potting soil, wet it down, and within a week I've got lettuce is growing, a mixed salad bowl, a mescaline, and it's so pretty and it likes cool weather. So English peas, Irish potatoes, uh, onion sets, a little bit getting a little, un- but but lettuces are so pretty in a pot. And when it gets time to use those pots for summer stuff, you just eat the lettuce and plant stuff into the pot. Anyway, who we got on the line here? Well, we've got a few callers coming in. Um, but before we get to our first call, I want to tell everyone that the podcast of this episode is brought to you by the Varicosity Vein Center. For more information about the Varicosity Vein Center, visit thevaricosityveincenter.com. So we always appreciate people contributing to the station. Uh, but without further ado, we will go to Polly in Covington. All righty, Polly, good morning. What's going on on the North Shore? Hey, Felder, how are you? I'm fine. Good. I have a question about my coreopsis. Mm-hmm. It died back, you know, with the big old freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I cut it back? I mean, or does the new growth come from... Yeah, no, coreopsis cori- doesn't have stems. It's a, like a clump form. All the different kind of coreopsis and black eyed Susan stuff. So they'll, it'll come back from the ground. So you just have some bad looking stuff you want to get rid of, or, you know, or yeah, just. Yeah, you, you can, uh, you know, if it's really, really, really bothering you. But if there's any green out there, leave it alone because it's sending energy down to the roots. Coreopsis okay. grows over the wintertime and it gets energy through winter leaves. To, to make it flower buds and stuff like that. So uh, leave as much green as you possibly can because this is when they need the sunshine, the energy, and they get it through their leaves. Okay, well, I'm just going to turn a blind eye to it and leave it then. Yeah, you know, you know yesterday <clears throat> I was coming uh, back from someplace in my truck and a tree had fallen uh, onto some uh, neighbor's fence and crepe myrtles and other stuff, and they had this big pile of debris out there along the road. And I stopped and... Of course, I got a saw in the back of my truck, and I made me some really nice little uh, six-foot gnarly uh, uh, stems. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lean them up as a like a teepee, just for looks. I saw that in a botanic garden in uh, in in uh, Manchester, England, where they just had teepees of gnarly sticks. Now, you could do a miniature version of that and just set them here and there in your wildflowers. It looks kind of quirky, but it's it's just accessorizing. It give you something to focus on uh, rather than those leaves. Well, that's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, all right. Appreciate your call. Okay, Sir Abram, load me up here. All right. Next, we uh, before we go to our next break, let's go ahead and take another call from Heather in Vicksburg. Morning, Heather. Howdy. Good morning. River, Good. How are you? Good. River City. What's going on? Um, I just have two questions. One, is it too late to put out like a, a pre-emergent weed killer for my lawn? It probably well. It's 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 a little early for summer stuff. It's way too late. For, winter stuff is already out there. Pre-emerge kills the seeds, the seedlings when the seeds first sprout. So we're looking at putting a pre-emerge out to keep summer weeds down. The stuff that we have okay. trouble in March, it's already out there. The stickers, the clover, the you know, well, it does, the it. Pre-emerge only work on plants that grow from seed. It's not going to get dandelions or wild onions or, or violets and that kind of stuff. Only things like um, stickers and henbit and those kind of things. Anyway, too too late for that. Um, have you got a? Uh, can you look across your lawn and see green stuff out there yet? Oh yeah, there's plenty of green. 
Yeah, well, see, you know, those are those are spring wildflowers. We we call them weeds, but they they typically grow over the winter time. They flower, they set seed, and they die when it gets time to mow the grass. And um, you have to put a pre-emerge for those out, like in September, because they start sprouting in in late September, October, sometime in there. So, uh, if you could, if you could possibly, you know, you could spray those things. Uh, this is a good weekend if you want. If you if you don't like stickers and stuff. Go ahead and, and spray them with a liquid uh, herbicide. This for anything for dandelions or clover, or uh, will will control most of the weeds out there. Or uh, participate in this thing called no mow march and just let them grow and have pollinators and bees and butterflies and stuff. And when it's time to mow the grass in April, just mow the weeds and they'll be gone for the summer. But okay. anyway, anyway, answer your question. Too, too late to put out anything uh, for 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 the the late winter and spring weeds. Uh, unless you want to use a spray, which you need to get right on it before the grass starts greening up. Okay. And my second question is, I have a little spot in my backyard where I have a sinkhole starting. I mean, it's just like a divot at the moment, and I filled it with dirt, and it lasted a couple months. I guess my question is, who would I call to look at that, like a landscape? person or do I need to call somebody else? Well, I, I, you know, I've, I've been dealing with this for, for over 40 years. It's something real common. I bet there uh, four or five, six years ago, there used to be a tree there. Probably. Um, you know, we may have cut down a tree a couple years ago there. Well, see, that. you know, what happens, you know, a tree, you know, above the ground, they got the trunk and the limbs and the branches. Well, beneath ground, they got big roots and middle roots and small roots. And they're, you know, and they could be as big around as my leg. And when a tree dies or is cut down, as those roots decompose, they're not made out of pressure-treated wood. They're just, they're just wood. And as they decompose and rot, they leave a hole the same size and shape as those roots. And so if you've got a sinkhole, that's just where the old trunk and the big roots have started to decay and cave in. And so the what I would recommend is the only thing I would recommend is to get some regular plain old D-I-R-T dirt and just throw it on the hole. Get, my dad, when I was a kid, had a big pile of dirt, and part of our job was to go around and fill in sinkholes. But he had just a big, and I have pictures of my kids playing on on dirt piles at grand granddad's house. So anyway, just plain old dirt. If you put anything else in there, it's going to eventually sand or whatever. It's not going to do the job. So just get your pile of dirt, throw a tarp over it to keep the keep the rain from packing it down. And uh, every time you need to, just throw some dirt in the area. That's the only okay. solution. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Abram. You got lights, blinking lights in here. I feel like I'm part of a team again. Yeah, it looks looks pretty in there now. That's right. And I'm gonna go to the one that's orange colored and talk with Shannon and Jackson. Good morning, Shannon. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for holding. What you got going on today? Well, I'm sitting outside with my sister who is here from Fairhope, Alabama. Pretty town. We, pretty town. Definitely. And we were talking about her live oak trees that they have planted between their house and the pond that they're on. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about, um, you know, learning on how to prune them and whatnot. And we discussed how here, you know, we depend on the Mississippi State Extension Service so much for the education on, you know, do-it-yourself type things. Yeah. Or having a arborist come out. We've had someone come out from the Extension Service to help us with our trees here on our land. So who does she call in Fairhope in, in, in the Alabama area that would be 
the same as Mississippi's Mississippi State, like MSU. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Auburn has extension service. They got an extension office, I think, is in Mobile. There may be one. Uh, if it's a different Fairhope, probably in a different county. There may be one down in in, uh, in Foley. You know, I don't know where, wherever the county uh, extension office is. Every county has got a local office. However, I, I tell you, what, put uh, your put put your sister on the phone. She, she doesn't want to be, but here she well, is. Go, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good morning. Uh, and it is it is Auburn. I don't know. It seems they had more like they were more about agriculture. Well, so you're saying that they would have an arborist. No, 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 they won't. Extension is agriculture, but in, in intense area, big areas like Mobile or Jackson or Memphis or, you know, play, then they also have a horticulture agent, you know, but, you know, so that's just part of agriculture. They probably don't have an arborist on staff. They may have a horticulture agent who can come out and take a look at it, but let me give you the lowdown because, first of all, I taught the arboriculture course at Mississippi State. It's same 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 one they teach at Auburn. Uh, I taught that. And I've been working with this for decades. And here's the bottom line when it comes to a tree. And this is what an arborist would tell you if they're standing there pointing at it. If you got a branch that's dead or dying, you cut it off right where it starts growing. You know, follow it back to where it starts. Cut it off right where it starts growing off of something else. If it's in the wrong way, if it's, uh, you're worried about it, it's, if it's cluttered, basically if you need to thin out some stuff or some wayward stuff, whatever you cut off, whether it's a branch off a limb or a limb off a trunk, don't leave a stuff. Follow it back where it starts or join something else and cut it so that there's no evidence it was there and it'll heal over pretty quickly. So bottom line is you're just thinning out of the clutter Getting rid of the dangerous stuff or what's rubbing on your house, or if it's dead or dying, you just, it's like plucking eyebrows. You just pluck the ones you don't want and leave the ones you do want instead of just snipping them off and leaving stubs out there. Does that okay. make sense? And then, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. And then also. Uh, oh, oh, you're all chatty now, I see. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're very uh, kind and very easy to talk to, too. <laughs> I, I, I've got some really, really good friends in, in Fairhope. Matter of fact, uh, the, uh, the used to be a, a community college there, uh, Faulkner, Faulkner State, is that what it is? They have a, they had a horticulturist who, who worked there for a long time. He retired recently. His name is Kent Schwartz. Kent knows his stuff. Know. You know Kent? I, I forgot. Yeah, well, he's dealing with, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, he, 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 he's your. I Kent is your go-to yeah. guy. Kent, he and I were roommates. We were roommates in college. No way. And he, he <laughs> Kent knows his stuff. Get him to come okay, by. Yeah, I'm more friends with his wife, but yes. Um, because the other thing I'm trying to do with this live oak is to make sure it grows more towards the pond and away from my neighbor's Cool. Yeah, well, this is called directional pruning. It's again, it's like plucking eyebrows. If you got one growing in the wrong direction or coming out between the other ones, just pluck it out. So, direct awesome. directional pruning means cut off the stuff that's growing in the wrong way, flush with something that's growing in the right way, and that's all it is. The main thing is don't leave stubs because they rot. Her other question that she was worried about when they prune <laughs> is she causing it not to eventually come back down to the ground the way that live oak typically will. It's just, you know, it, it, it always boils down to cut off what you don't want for whatever reason you don't want it. Just cut it off. Don't leave it stuff. That's, that's, that's all we do. 
everything else. And and no two arborists would agree on which ones to cut off. So, you know, the main thing is just shape it up, thin it out, get rid of any dead stuff, don't leave stubs. And uh, other than that, that, that's it. That's all it is, what it boils down to. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. <laughs> okay, take a walk around downtown. It's awful pretty down there. Thank you for your call. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How about that, Abram? Oh, you need to call this guy named Kent Schwartz. I know Kent. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you got it as as good as you could with that one. That was that was nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm too shy to talk. Well, let me ask you some <laughs> while, while I got you here. Hey, let, let's go now to uh, up to Memphis, Tennessee, to Mark. Mark, what's going on? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, uh, she's a hard act to follow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got a menu. Uh, could you choose between bamboo to talk about or figs or grass? I know you don't like grass. No, no, no. Everybody has this idea don't like grass. I studied turf management in Mississippi State. I consult with golf courses and athletic fields. You want to have a perfect lawn? I'm your guy. I wrote the foreword to a book called How to Have a Perfect Lawn. I choose not to have any myself because I'm gone. I ain't going to mow. I don't want to do all that stuff. So I, I personally don't choose to have it. Uh, just yeah. like, But anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm your go-to guy with grass, too. You choose what yeah. you want me to talk about. Okay. Well, i got to be parsimonious because you got other guests, so I'll just go with the bamboo if you don't mind. No. Uh, uh the thing about my bamboo is I'm one of the few people who loves bamboo. I'm not trying to get rid of it, but uh, I've got I've had this bamboo for oh decades now. And uh, what happened with those two freezes, one after the other, is that it kind of morphed the bamboo. It turned from great big high beautiful poles that I actually made a fence out of uh-huh. by the way to this ugly bushy stuff. That yeah, comes out you know. So what I'm wondering, this is my question, is that going to be a forever thing, or no. will it evolve back? To- no, this, this, is a temp- this is a temporary thing. If you if you can stand it, go ahead and cut it as much as you can stand down to the ground. Just cut it down to the ground, and do it pretty soon, and the new growth should come up nice and strong and sturdy. It should. You know, okay, another okay. the free, freeze isn't going to change it genetically, but it can temporarily affect it. So uh, just you know, where where's really the worst? Go ahead and cut it out. The new growth is going to start yeah. coming up in the next few weeks. So you want to go ahead and and yeah. get the old stuff cut down. Otherwise, if you tip prune that new growth, it's going to be all boogered up too. Okay, okay. So I'm not sure I understood. I just cut cut all the, the bushy stuff down to the ground, and yep. then it'll come back normal. It should. Okay, great. Thank you, Felder. Okay, I really know. Appreciate I, it. Okay, now you also had a fig question. Let's knock that one out real quick. And you call about the grass next week. Thank you, thank you. Well, speaking of figs, uh, you know, I had a big, beautiful uh, fig tree, which a lot of people had the same trouble, and it died. It looked like it died, but then, and I cut it back all the way to the ground, basically, with a couple of little bitty stumps, and sure enough, it came back last year. Mm trouble is it didn't make any figs so i'm hoping that maybe this year it'll make figs it could here's here's the deal figs produce on what grows that year if it grows off of last year's growth so it got cut to the ground and it sprouted out new growth but that came off of old stuff what what's out there right now what sprouts off of it should have figs this year and uh, what i would do how, how tall are those those shoots 
Uh, well, the ones that have uh, from last year, now they're, gee whiz, they're, they're about five feet. Okay. Feet. Here's what I would do they're this weekend. Feet. I would do this weekend. I would go out and I'd cut them back halfway, two-thirds of the ground. Leave some of it, you know, follow from the tip to where it started growing last spring and cut a half or two-thirds of that off. And here's the reason uh-huh. why. Because wherever you cut, it's going to branch back out, and it'll have figs off of that. If you don't, it's going to sprout out up at the top, and you're going to have something you can't reach. So go ahead and cut this uh-huh. stuff back and let them become new trunks and make them branch out a little bit lower by just simply cutting it back. And if you're not sure about it, don't cut one, uh-huh. cut one halfway, cut one two-thirds, and see how they do. But uh, as long as you leave some of last year's growth, what grows off of that should have figs this year. Okay, well, that's the ticket. Thank you very much. All righty. Next week, we're going to talk about your lawn. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you bet. Appreciate it. See you, Mark. Okay, let's uh, let's take another call. Uh, this guy's been hanging on a while, and uh, and then I want to play a little cheesy tune, but let's go to Oxford. Eric, what's going on in Lafayette County? Hey, good morning, Felder. Howdy. What's, when to plant? I can't. So packed. What, plant what? Look, I'm, I've got all my flower seeds from Baker Creek ready to go. Yeah. And I'm going to plant them indoors so that I'll be able to transplant them. Um, and I'm curious, with the weird winters we're having, do you think uh, plant the seeds first of March to be ready for transplant in April? You're talking about summer stuff like peppers and tomatoes and zinnias oh, and stuff I'm like that? Oh, I'm talking about flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pollinators, yeah. Uh, asters and stock and... Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, so, some of those, by the way, really grow better f- further north. You know, so, so a lot of even Baker Creek, and I know the folks well. I've lectured there, I've known them real well. But they sell stuff for all over the country, and some of the things like stock, it really likes cool weather, not not a hot. It grow, it grows all summer in England, but it likes cooler winter weather in Mississippi. Sort of like like uh, like violas and pansies. We grow them in the winter; they grow them in the summer. Anyway, to answer your question, usually the soil is warm by the first of April. Usually, it's, pl- it's okay. easy to plant stuff out, and it takes uh, two a week or so for seeds to sprout. Another couple of weeks for them to start getting some some you know real leaves on them. So I go ahead and get them started this weekend if you can. You know, it's this I've already Good started deal. some of mine. And uh, but here's the deal: when your seeds get started. You know, you sow the seeds on some potting soil, uh, cover them up with like some some food wrap, some uh, like sarad wrap type stuff, and uh, and yep. that'll that'll keep it humid and moist. And as soon as the seeds, it'll speed up the sprouting. As soon as they sprout, get rid of it, and every pretty day, put them out in real sunshine, because that real sunshine uh, makes a and and cooler temperatures makes the stem sturdy and stocky. If you keep them indoors, they get long and leggy and floppy, and they never get over it. So as soon as they come up, give them some real sunshine, and just bring them if it's going to freeze. Sounds great. Hey, um, I have about eradicated the stickers in the yard, totally switching on you real quick. Yeah. Uh, We have been soil testing and lining. Mm -hmm. Is it the line that's killing all the stickers? Nope. No, no. Matter of fact, let me throw this out. Lime lasts at least two or three years. You do not need to put lime out every year or you make your soil so alkaline it's the opposite of too acidic. So lime, no no more than every two or three or four years. Uh, but well, that's, what, that's what we did is based on soil test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the deal. If you wait till April, till after you've mowed your grass a time or two before you fertilize it, use a good quality fertilizer 
after it's been mowed a time or two, then it'll get thicker, and that is what causes the the stickers seeds to not spread. Stickers are a symptom of a real thin, weak lawn. And uh, if you get if you thicken your lawn up, mow at the right height, fertilize but not too early, then that makes your grass thicker, and that's what keeps the stickers from coming back. Must be what, that must be what it is then, because that's basically what we're doing is you know fertilizing when we were supposed to. Yeah, use a good quality for use a good quality fertilizer, not triple thirteen, triple A, because it's slow, long, gentle, steady feeding. And uh, if you'll wait till April, put a little fertilizer out. Mow at the right height. You know, that, that's your sticker control right there. Okay, thanks. All righty. Appreciate it, man. A lot of folks are waiting for spring. They're saying daffodils. Say spring's coming. No, winter is here, and we have daffodils. We have Japanese magnolias blooming. We have wildflowers. Don't wait till spring. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Carpe diem. Seize the day. It's wintertime, and we got some cool stuff here in Mississippi. Uh, let's uh, let's go up, up to uh, Shaco, Mississippi, and talk with Ronnie about his dogwood. Ronnie, you've been hanging on for a long time, man. What's going on with your dogwood? I, it's not mine. It's on the price. I swear I think it was blooming. I mean, it looked like a dogwood to me. I was wondering if it's possible. It's possible. I don't, you know, the... the, the you know, they usually don't bloom until later in March or first part of April. But, you know, we've had such weird weather, and weather affects the hormones in a plant, which tells it when to bloom. So if it got enough cold weather, it might have, it might have kick-started early. I don't know anything else out there right now that have big white flowers. There's too early for the pears. The early-blooming Cherokee plums don't look at all like dogwoods. I don't know what else would be out there this time. So it might just be a dogwood that's just acting like people wanting to plant tomatoes. It is too early. <laughs> I guess I'll take a picture of it. Yeah, do that. Do I, that. I do. I may have messed up. I planted sunflowers a while back, and they are up. Am I going to have to cover them? Uh, I don't know. You know, if it freezes, they they're goners. And if you cover them up, you know, you, shame on you, Ronnie. <laughs> you knew it was too early. You knew it was too early. And I'm, I, if ain't nobody else hollering at you, it's got to be me. Don't do it that early. <laughs> now, we just have to wait. And see. Are, they, are they in the ground? Uh, they're in a large pot. Oh, well, you can you can drag a pot in if it's going to get cold. Make, you know, or, or, oh, it's too large for that. I, okay. I can cover it. I can put something over it. Though. Yeah, get just, get just a rebar, some kind of stakes to hold something up. You know, above so the plastic's not cur- not touching the stuff. Make sure the plant. If we get a frost, make sure the the covering goes all the way to the ground. Because what we're trying to do is trap, not just keep cold wind off. We're trying to trap heat coming up from the from the ground in the pot. So be, just be prepared. Okay, okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, hey, you see me a pick. I want. I'm curious about what it, what would be blooming right now. Okay, I'll sure do it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about hollering at No, I'm not sorry. You knew better than to plant that early. I probably need it. See you, Ronnie. Okay. Okay, let's go over to Hoover, Alabama, right outside of uh, Birmingham. Kevin, what's going on? Now, Felder, if I could, right before we get to Kevin, uh, bring up again, this the episode uh, podcast is brought to you by the Varicosity Vein Center. For more information about the Varicosity Vein Center, visit thevaricosityveincenter.com. Now, Kevin, I'm sorry to have interrupted you, but now's your shot. What's going on in Hoover? Hey, nothing much. I'm actually traveling back from Biloxi going home when I heard you guys on the radio. So mm-hmm. I said, hey, this is an excellent opportunity to get some questions in. Yeah, I have a um, 
uh, two questions. One, I wanted to plant some type of fruit tree in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I love citrus, so I was either thinking of an orange or a grapefruit or something to that extent. Not in Hoover. It it, it ain't happening in Hoover. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Nope. Ah. Nope. You know, it it gets too cold up there. There's some fruit. There's some citrus trees that'll take a freeze. The tree will, but it kills all the flower buds. And if you just want to grow a fruit tree, you could probably get away with it. But if you want tree fruit, you're going to have to keep it in a pot and be able to drag it in the, the garage if it gets down below, you know, 30 or so. Okay. And, right. and, and by the way, if you want to do that, get you a pot, a pot that you can barely put your arms around, maybe a little bit okay. bigger, and then get you a plant called kumquat. Kumquat, it sounds funny, but they make little oranges that are really yeah. sweet. You can eat them skin and all, and they they look gr- And you can print a little bush, and it's a pretty plant in a pot. And out, out in your, your yard, think about something like a, a fig tree, uh, a self-pollinating pear. There's the one called Orient that does pretty well. Um, you know, so there, there's some pretty good tree fruits that are grown that, that, that are, they're, they're pretty yard plants, and they make fruit. Okay. And the, the last question I have was really around the soil content, which is, I guess, around the, the planting of the fruit tree as well. Mm-hmm. So I have that reddish kind of clay, red dirt kind of deal. Yeah. I have Bermuda planted. Well, they just kind of put some, built a house a little while ago, and they put Bermuda down. Right. It's, it's, it's tough, right? So it's not, the grass doesn't spread as well as I would like it to. Yeah. Do you recommend top dressing the lawn, or is there something that, an additive I can add to to increase the, um, I guess, the value of the of the soil. They, they have this stuff uh, that you could put out there. It's uh, I can't. I'm drawing a total blank. It's it's not slag. It's not lime, but it's something like. I'm just drawing a total blank that, that does what we call soil flocculation. It makes it clump together and make less 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 dense clay. But to answer your question, sooner or later, the plants have got to get used to the dirt you've got. So what I would, if you're going to do anything, go to a lot of trouble, go to one of these equipment rentals and see if they will rent you what's called an aerator. It punches holes in the dirt. And what that does is it not only punches holes, but they're like spikes of air. Roots will go down deeper if they can get air down deeper. So, you know, this is what they do on golf courses, you know, they where the soil is compacted. They just aerate it. And, uh, and that does a good job of helping the grass roots get down deep at first. And once that happens, as the old roots die, new roots will follow their path. See, so if you can get it rooted deep early on, then the new growth will take it from there, even in the worst kind of clay. Here's the deal, though. Bermuda grass likes to be cut a little on the low side, not real tall. Mm-hmm. And it likes to be fertilized, but I would wait until April, no earlier. Get this, get a good quality lawn food. They're kind of expensive, but they last all season. They get a good, slow, steady, gentle push. And if you'll wait till April, Put out a good quality lawn food, and uh, you know lo- that might be all it takes. And you can also throw a little Bermuda grass seed in April because the soil will be warm enough for it to sprout. So think about that. Th- you know, get you some Bermuda grass seed, good quality lawn food. April, have at it. And I think that, that the grass will take it from there. Very good. Now I aerated last year. I did exactly what you did. I went and rented me a, 
uh, aerator and I did it myself. So yeah. How often should I do it? Every year? Or no, every no, no, year no, or no, 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 no. Once, once, you, once you get good quality grass, once the grass roots are down deep, like I say, they make permanent paths. Old root, grass roots only live about two or three weeks. But as the old one dies, the new ones will follow their hole down in the ground. So once you get it started, Unless you you know got kids playing soccer out there compacting the soil, if you wanted to aerate every two or three years, that that'd be fine. And if you wanted to, if it's not too big an area, if you were to get some sand, some coarse sand, and throw it out there and then aerate it, then the sand will go down and fill those holes up, and make them more or less permanent. Otherwise, they snap shut after a few rains. Oh, very so, good. So air, air, air rate, to, to me, aerating and top dressing with sand go hand in hand. Every Three or four years. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I enjoy your I enjoy your conversation. And let us know how the kumquat works out. <laughs> See. Indeed. Indeed. Take care. All right. Let's slide down to the coast to Bay Springs. Susie, how are you this morning? Great, but Bay Springs is not on the coast. We have a live bay tree and a live spring and thus we have where's, bay where, where's Bay Springs? I've it, been a uh, it would be uh, of Jackson. It would be east of Jackson. It's between La- uh, Laurel and Meridian Highway. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to be going there to get there. Yeah, but it's a pretty little town. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of greenery parks and things like that for oh. a small town. It kind of looks like a little town in the mountains. I uh, think. Okay, well, I'll, I'll come by and visit y'all sometime. So, what, what what's up with you? What kind of shrub you got? Okay, it's Indian hawthorns. I have several dead, and I want to replace them, but I want to do it when I won't have to water so much. When is the best time to replace shrubs? Well, you know, now is the best time, you know, because they still have a chance to get a little bit of root of the soil to settle down around the roots before it gets really, really hot. Here, here's the thing, though. If you want to not have to water a lot, this is what I do. And keep in mind, I'm an old guy. I've been doing this a long time. I'm sick and tired of it. And I don't want to do anything I don't have to do. But I would never plant a shrub in the ground unless I dug a wide hole. And I wouldn't add anything to the dirt. I dig a wide hole, and I would loosen up the potting soil when you put a, pull a plant out of the pot and stir that in, and then water it really good and not keep it wet. A good deep soaking every week or two is plenty, and I've been doing this a long time. So wide hole, don't over-amend the soil, loosen up the potting soil, maybe put some mulch around there, and just give it a really good soaking every week or two, and that'll get them started. Indian hawthorns will grow in a, a parking lot island. They 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 <laughs> like hot and dry, so you can rot them with too much water. Mm-hmm. I don't think I did that though. It's hot. Um, oh, Indian hawthorn. Not- Indian hawthorn suffered all over the South, you know, from a hard freeze and from that hot, dry, dry weather. Mm-hmm. Indian hawthorns, magnolias died last year because of that. But Indian hawthorns mm-hmm. are are susceptible to a few problems. You might want to even think about coming up with something else besides those. Yeah, I wonder what that would be. Well, there's a lot of choices. I mean, go, you know, go back with Indian hawthorns, but, uh, you know, I like these little dwarf type of nandinas. They only get like two feet tall. There's one called Gulf Stream, and there's one that's called Harbor Dwarf, and they're pretty all year long. You can plant bulbs in front of them, and, you know, the, the, you know and, and they don't get big, and they don't have all those berries that people worry about. But, you know, that – and then put you an Indian hawthorn and stick a couple of harbor dwarf or Gulfstream nandinas around there and see how they work. That's a great idea. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your taking my call. Okay. Well, and, and, and thanks for letting me know. I didn't know squat about Bay Springs. And I've been through there. I've been through that. I just forgot yeah. about it. I was going for Meridian. Yeah. My daughter-in-law lives in, in Waynesboro. Mm-hmm. So I was dr- driving through the yeah, only way down there. Uh, uh, we're like 30 minutes from Raleigh, Mississippi, yeah. if you know where that I is. I do, 30 I do. minutes from Laurel. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, everybody thinks it's on the coast, though. Everybody, when you tell that, they always think that. Yep. Well, anyway, good luck with the plants. And remember, wide hole, loosen up the roots. See ya. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, let's go to Greenwood. Anne Marie, you're going to start your raised bed? You're going to do it yourself? Yes. Um, our family is in our forever home, so we just invested in some composite raised beds that arrive in a few weeks. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and I'll get off and let you answer them. But I'm excited about growing okra and tomatoes, which I have grown successfully and unsuccessfully before. Um, but my question is, is um, how would you fill the beds? Like, with what formula of soil? And then what would you have me um, grow in other seasons? Um, okay. 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 Uh, don't hang up because I got a couple of things okay. to ask you. First of all, are these sitting on the ground or are they sitting on like a driveway or something? On the ground. Okay. Keep in mind that I have done countless raised beds. My daughter and I did a raised bed for her uh, back in November. We did. We we built it one afternoon. We planted the next day, and it will be done forever. Here's how I do it, and I've been growing raised bed for a long time. You put your beds where you want them, and then don't fill them up with stuff. Dig the dirt that's inside them. Take the uh, shovel at a time. It's a little trouble, but a bite at a time, turn it upside down with the grass and weeds and stuff on the bottom. But dig it up, mm-hmm. up, up, at least half a shovel deep. Shovel deep would be fine. Turn that dirt over, and then add stuff on top of that and stir it together. In other words, don't just fill up a box. Add stuff to what you – all a raised bed is is a regular garden that's with a side short up. If you – otherwise, it's just a big container. It ain't a raised bed. So dig up the dirt you've got because that's really important. It holds nutrients better, holds moisture better. But by digging it deep, uh, shovel deep, it drains in the wet weather, and, but plants have a deeper roots in the hot weather, so you don't have to water as much. So dig your dirt. Awesome. And then if you want to go to any kind of um, – uh, I don't know of any place right around Greenwood that would have but any kind of, of soil mix. You know, you can you get them at, at, in Jackson real easy because the garden center sell it. But spread it over the top, a little a little compost or manure or a little cheap potting soil, a little bark, and then add it, stir it into your dirt. And that'll be a whole – how tall are these raised beds, by the way? Uh think 12 inches yeah that's good that's good that's good there's that's, that's plenty huh if you if you dig down six or eight inches and raise it up six or eight inches then you got the ideal conditions for wet weather or dry weather so just dig your dirt add stuff to it uh i would also add just a little bit of agriculture lime because uh, around the florida county the soils can be a little on the acidic side and okay. uh and then you re- and then cover it with bark mulch and you're ready to go Yay! Awesome. Uh, and and by the way, there's a there's a uh, do you do, do you do Facebook at all? I do. Okay, Mississippi Gardening is a Facebook okay. thing, but there's also a Mississippi Raised Bed Facebook page. Great. And, and a lot of those folks are nuts. They do way 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 too much. 
but you can find a good, happy, something that suits you on either of those sites. If you go to the Mississippi Gardening thing, I'm posting this weekend some pictures of the the process that my daughter and I went from nothing but grass and dog do to raised beds with vegetables in it in one day. Awesome. Oh, I'm excited. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so I'm excited to see, let them experience gardening. Too. Oh, oh, oh real, real quick tip. If you got kids, put some culinary herbs. You must have uh, oregano. You must have some basil. You must have some mint. These kind of culinary herbs, if you have oregano and rosemary and thyme, they love raised beds. The kids can go out and smell them, and they smell like pizza and smell like spaghetti. And they smell. You can, you can get kids more involved in gardening through smell and flavor and letting them go out and snip some oregano Put on a cheese pizza, and they've got ownership in their meals without having to oh, wait to, you know, we can grow sunflowers. Kids ain't got time to grow sunflowers. Give them something they can do right now, culinary herbs. Okay. Should I worry about the mint spreading? Because I do want to grow mint. Yeah. Of course you do. Make it, Lizzie, here's what you do. You make a little box that fits inside your big box. Or, or take your container and sink it in there. Put your mint in a container, this, even a bottomless container, that keeps it from going sideways. Perfect. I'll do that. Okay. Does it matter what the is, plastic or terracotta? Nah. Nope. Okay. I mean, you, you know, okay. you, I mean, you, you, no, it doesn't. The main thing is, you know, I want to keep it. But the oregano, the thyme, the rosemary, kids will resonate with those because it, it smells like pizza and spaghetti. Yay, I love that idea. Thank you. Okay, Anne-Marie. Appreciate your call. Yeah. Well, we've been knocking it out today, Abram, knocking it out. I want to remind folks I'm going to be at the Killed, K-I-L-N, down on the coast. It's between Poplarville and the coast. And we have their library next Thursday on Leap Day at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. Meanwhile, let's go up to, uh, to David, calling from Horn Lake. David, man, you've been hanging on a long time. What's up? Uh, well, I was the only kind of question I want to ask you. Um, my wife is an avid uh, bird watcher and all that. She's put up soot feeders and bird baths and all that stuff. Anyway, it's time to start hanging up some bird houses. Yep. Anyway, she saw a, um, uh, I guess it was the early scout for the bluebirds. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have a lot of cats running loose in our neighborhood. Yep. And she's wanting me to put a bird house in, into one of our trees, got an open area, whatnot, about eight or ten feet up, and I'm telling her that if I screw it into the tree, it'll probably hurt it and cause it to die. Okay. So my question to you is, can you screw a bird house into a daggone of a 35, 40-year-old tree okay. Okay. without it damaging it or, or allowing a pest? Yeah, or, yeah I, I, I get it. Let me ask you, is she listening? No, she's not listening. Okay. Well, then then I'm going to tell you the truth. It doesn't hurt a thing. It does not hurt a thing. And that's up to you on how you, have, how you weasel out of it if you just want to do it. If you don't want to do it, find some other way, but it doesn't hurt the tree. <laughs> I hope that helps. No, it does not hurt to put a nail or a screw or something in a tree. It does not hurt. It heals over pretty quickly. Uh, I'm not sure a birdhouse, a bluebird house needs to be 8 or 10 feet up. You know, they have certain things that they like. So do a little research on where's the best placement for bluebird houses. You might want to put a bat house up there instead. Anyway, we got to take a break. It's called a week. Uh, Oliver, hanging in from uh, Olive Branch. You can plant zoysia 
anytime you want to. But let's go ahead and get it done before summertime so you don't have to water as much. We're going to uh, be back same time, same place every Friday here at the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and... and uh, <laughs> I, I, it's nice to see you too, Felder. Abram Nanny. Hey, Abram, I'm just, it's antihistamines, I'm telling you. Anyway, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Mm-hmm.